And welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C., coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, New York. And I'm joined by my wonderful producer today, Mike Ortiz. Haven't seen Mike in a while, but Mike is always doing good, giving us the thumbs up back over here. Uh, it's a great, great, beautiful day here, full in full effect, as far as we know. Uh, it's upon us. Seeing a bunch of, seeing a lot of foliage going around here in Manhattan. It's a beautiful time to be here in New York too. But uh, you know, speaking of fall and speaking of uh, fall classic, we'll hit up on the World Series here for a little bit. You know, and we'll talk about the Yankees to start off the show. Actually, that's what we're going to lead in right now is with the Yankees because you know everybody wants to talk about. The Yankees' failure and this motto and this this whole thing of going out there and see the World Series or bust, and the fan base knows that, and they see it. And I totally understand it to the fullest degree. I was at Game 2 of the ALDS. I was at Games 3, 4, and 5 of the ALCS this year. And, you know, when I look at it and when I saw the crowd, I said to myself, you know, when when you're going back tied up at one, going into game three, into the 405 start, and it was a little bit awkward, of course, but, you know, at that very same point in time, you got to go out there and win a game, and the fans were hyped. But most of the fan base looked at the 405 start and said, no, we're not fans of that. Excuse me, but sometimes you have to take the the bad with the good and vice versa and the Yankees just didn't show up game three they were close they were close within game three uh game four they were literally right in it and then game five they wound up coming back and winning uh game five by a score of four to one but realistically all you need to know is this game six I was at offside tavern watching the Yankee game, and was watching them go up against the Astros with the Islanders playing the Blue Jackets. And shout out to Mike Carver, by the way, on the ILC podcast for for his show and for what he does, along with the uh, with the uh, contributions to the ILC podcast and a bunch of other guys seeing there too. Stephen the Somowitz, uh from the SND podcast saw him there too. Uh, Nick Costa, the owner of. Uh, the Offside Tavern, a great place to go watch not only an Islander game, but a sporting event in general. Uh, could not want to be surrounded by uh, better people. And also, too, a uh, shout-out to Sean Cuthbert from Hockey Night in New York. He does his uh, program, wonderful program indeed, for uh, for hockey talk. But we're all watching the game. Now I'm sitting there with Mike. Islander game just ended. It's around like 11 o'clock, 11.30. And, you know, all, all I remember seeing and all I remember was them going out and they kept on getting runners on base, but Houston had their opportunities and they wound up shutting the door on the Yankees up until the ninth inning. Okay. And seeing it, 
firsthand, like they had their opportunities. The Yankees had their opportunities, but you got to give credit to Houston for going out there and just taking care of business. And then the ninth inning rolls around of that game. And then they just went out and they had their opportunities. Base hit starts off the inning. Okay. LeMayhew comes up. Works Roberto Ozuna like a crazy man. Works him all the way up to the full count. 3-2 pitch. Pitch comes in. DJ takes it. Opposite field. Right over Springer's glove. Missed it by maybe that much. Tie game 4-4. Offside tavern erupts. Probably every other bar erupts within the state of New York. Maybe around the world. It's not over. It's not. certainly wasn't. And then people want to go out there and question Aaron Boone's logic or decision making on whether or not why they didn't they didn't walk Altuve. Why would you walk Altuve? Why would you put the game-winning run? I get it's Jake Mar- Marisnik coming in. But why would you put the winning run at second base? I don't care. I don't care about that at all. You let you never know what might happen. But he goes out there, 2-0 count, gives out Tuve a slider. Okay. 2-1 comes around, tries to go back with the slider again because he figured, you know, all right, was in the strike zone. That's what's comfortable. Whenever Chapman is going out there and he's pitching and he's in that situation and he's got that fastball that he sometimes he looks great, sometimes he doesn't. And in that moment, he threw that slider, hanging slider, 2-1. Altuve crushed it, broke the hearts of many Yankee fans, including myself. And then I just wound up saying to myself, like, you know, what is there? You know what I mean? Like, after this, with this season. And it was a great game for Houston, too. Houston wound up winning by game one last night in which they lost. Garrett Cole looked human against the Washington Nationals. And the Nationals wound up winning game one last night by a score of 5-4. to four. But that's... For the Yankees, it's not whether so much so of the fact that you have you have all these guys and the fans, some Yankee fans are just, I don't know if they're either ball players or they're not ball players or whatever, but they some of these guys just don't have the mindset. Some of them just don't have the mindset of actually thinking right. Okay. When you look at the fans, and there are some very respectable fans out there. Jose McFly is one of the best. Keith McPherson, one of the best. Eric Hubbs and Scabelli, one of the best, or two of the best. You know, Jimmy Randazzo, who I was hanging out with on Friday from the Sports Chill. Watching game five with him in section 223 
very knowledgeable Yankee fan. But after reading some of the Twitter comments by by many people left and right, it's just sad. You know, that some of these people just go out there saying, oh, you know, blow up the team, do this, do that. And it's like this team was good for a reason. You know, they went out there and they they fought tooth and nail. They had 30 guys on the IL. Any other team would have been in last place. But they had the next man up mentality and they had the backing of the fan base and they went out there and they did what they did. Nothing wrong with it. You lost in the ALCS to one of the better teams in baseball. I get that it was a three-year project. 2017, that team wasn't really supposed to be good and they wound up making it to game seven of the ALCS. Last year, lost to a better Boston team. That flat out just hit the ball and was just way, way better. 2019, we could say the same thing. 30 guys on the IL, though, and dominating the way how they did. But once midnight came around for these Yankees, that uh, that chariot from Cin- from Cinderella wound up becoming a pumpkin again. And they were this close to winning game six or actually taking it to extra innings in game six. And just uh, that might have been the change of the game. But we don't know. I'm not here to play Monday morning quarterback. Right now, I'm here to basically just talk about what this offseason entails with this uh, with this team. But before I go on with the offseason, I got to admit one thing. Saturday night, going into Sunday morning, coming home, I walked from the offside tavern up 7th Avenue. Walked up from 7th Avenue. Walked past 23rd Street, lot, lots of bars uh, in that area. And I don't know if some of these fans were drinking their sorrows away in the bars, but I was wearing my Islanders jersey going home. I did not see one, maybe one fan wearing their Yankee jersey going to Penn Station. Maybe one fan wearing a Yankee hat. To me, that's sort of somewhat sickening in a sense, you know? And I left like 20 minutes after the fact, after the fact the game had ended. And I walked from Penn. Talk about fan bases and being on Twitter, folks. Where's the jerseys? Where's the shirts? I get it was kind of cold that night too, but, you know, no no pride at all, no nothing. I don't know. Just walking around up 7th Avenue to Penn Station after the after their loss. And that kind of hit home to me too. Everybody probably wanted to go home, but where are the fans? I don't know. That's just me. But as far as this offseason goes, the Yankees have some sort of uh an interesting dynamic here as far as how to build this team. You have one more year left of DJ LeMayhew, arguably their best hitter by far, through the regular season and through the postseason. Didi Gregorius is probably not coming back. 50-50 shot, probably 60-40. 60% of me says he's leaving and he's going for greener pastures somewhere else. 
And kudos to Didi Gregorius, by the way, for filling in Derek Jeter, uh, being the replacement for Derek Jeter at that point in time. Nobody thought who the hell he was, except for a couple fans. Yours truly thought he was uh, he was a good pickup defensively. Great wizard with the glove. Picked up his bat, and he just hit the ball a ton with the short porch at Yankee Stadium. Absolutely. But it looks like he's he's walking. And this is the beautiful problem to have with the Yankees. You can move Glaber Torres over to shortstop now. Because he was built to be a shortstop. And now you have... Now you have DJ LeMahieu probably be playing uh, second base now full-time at this point. That's what it comes down to. First base is... Uh, it's a platoon. Three guys might be coming in there. It might be uh, drawing a lot of interest there for that first baseman's job. Been hearing names of Justin Smoke coming in. I don't know if the Smoke Monster is going to want to come to New York, but lefty bat in New York at Yankee Stadium, it might work. But you have Luke Voigt at first. Still under a cheap contract somewhat. You have Mike Ford, a guy that came in and played relatively well in his tenure up here so far. And then you have the albatross that really no fan wants to talk about at all here. And that guy is Greg Bird. And we've been seeing some signs of Greg Bird, but maybe Greg Bird walks. He might be a free agent, I believe. Who knows? And if he isn't, he comes back in and he fights for for a starting spot. But if those three worked out together, it's going to be an interesting time. I know I mentioned on Twitter that Yankees might go out and trade for a guy like Miguel Cabrera. You have three years left on that deal. It may not be, in some people's eyes, you look at Miggy, he's one of the best hitters to ever hit. And it would be nice to have a veteran presence in there uh, for, for the Yankees. But... You know, I don't know. I don't know what Brian Cashman is thinking right now at this point. He might go in with that three-headed monster at first base and just say, you know what, let Voight and Bird and Ford fight it out. Why go out there and trade for a guy that tore his Achilles or was hurt for most of the year last year and he's on the wrong side of 30? He's 36. I totally get that, but if you're looking at it from a from a clubhouse perspective, and he might be that guy that that might take a lot of pressure off of uh, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez and everything like that, just being the guy, you know, to go out there and and be that locker room guy. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what Brian Cashman is thinking right now, but it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not. Um, then you look at third base, third base, you have Miguel Andujar and Gio Urshela. Everybody loves Gio Urshela and his defense, but when Andujar comes back, he was ripping the ball in his rookie year and he got hurt and Gio Urshela was a great find. It's a great problem to have if you're Aaron Boone at third base. 
than the outfield. You have Judge and Wright. You have Hicks locked up for another six years in center. Brett Gardner, we don't know if he's coming back or not. I think he will, but he'll probably be a bench player at this point. And, uh, you know, you have John Carlos Stanton, who's – everybody's talking about the opt-out. I'll talk about the opt-out because nobody brings it up, excuse me. The guy has an opt-out after this year, after this 2020 season coming up. Many people talk about, oh, he's not going to leave money on the table, this, this, and that. You don't know what's going on in a player's mind. You don't. Maybe he's tired of New York. Maybe he wants to go out there and just say, you know what, the cameras, everything like that, everybody making a big deal over nothing. I get the money, but I don't know. Maybe he's not in it. Maybe he doesn't want to be here. You know, maybe front office and management probably looked at it and just said, hey, you know what? We're not going to put John Carl in because of his injury, because of his leg injury. That wasn't Aaron Boone. That probably If Aaron Boone wanted to put him out there, he would have. Instead, it was a no-go for game six. I don't get why. Outside of the knee. But you know Edwin Encarnacion has been one for his last, you know, seven, you know, one for 16 in the ALCS. And you're going to have a guy like John Carlos Stanton sit. I'd rather have John Carlos Stanton on one knee than have Edwin Encarnacion. And Edwin Encarnacion is a, was a fan favorite this year with the parrot, walk the parrot, hitting a home run, everything like that. But he just looked atrocious at the plate in the ALCS. He did. And then you go out there and you say to yourself, okay, John Carlos Stanton was swinging at gas. But who knows? That's whether here nor there. I think he'll be the DH next year. And in left field, this might be an interesting choice because I don't think Stanton's going to be the left fielder, but you're going to have Guardy probably resign. And then, I know everybody doesn't want to hear this name either, Clint Frazier. Oh, the guy has still has a fast set of hands at the plate. The guy is a contact hitter. Either they're going to go out there and give this kid a shot because that left field spot, and everybody wants to talk about the defense. You could work on the defense. It's what you bring to the plate that matters the most. And Frazier has those hands. And if he was in that series, if he was in that series, he might have been a difference maker in that it. In the ALCS. He might have. Give him the shot next year in 2020. In left field. See where it goes. You have all these pieces in place. He has it. The question is. Is whether or not the front office. Because the front office is the. Is the. Is really the bread and butter right now. That's putting out these lineups and putting out these rosters. 
I, I don't know. I really don't know. As I look at you right now, there is no manager anymore. The manager is just the middleman. The manager is just the middleman. If you're looking at it from an analytics standpoint, I don't know. But uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to say. But with the Yankees right now going into 2020 with their lineup, everything looks like it's set up to be in place. Just they have to figure out what's going on at first. They definitely have to figure out what's going on at third base and what's happening with the left field spot. I can't see John Carlos Stanton playing left field again for the Yankees. I can't. I could definitely picture Clint Frazier playing left field just because of his bat. If you could sacrifice something then maybe you have him playing at at the uh, yeah, Frazier playing in left field. But that's pretty much about it. And their pitching staff right now, Ottavino said it the best. He got lit up like a Christmas tree. He came through in game six and shut the door in game six, but he got lit up. And I think he said it the best. When you go out there and you keep on using the same pitcher over and over and over and over again, day in and day out, I think this kind of debunks the the whole uh, bullpen rule that everybody loved. You know, they threw out a lot of money on these on these guys, Ottavino especially. And Ottavino looked good during the regular season, but during the postseason, when you're going up against the guy three, four, five times in a row in any sort of situation, it's not going to end pretty. And it's like that in football. If you had the defense going out there three to four, five times a series, or even eight times for that matter, and the offense has only had the ball maybe quick, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and you're putting the defense out there, it's only going to get tired. Well, the bullpen was was like that this series and throughout the regular season. But the pitching has to come into play here. And I think more so, I think we have to realize how much of a commodity that some of these pitchers have. James Paxton, you don't touch. I think he's a good piece. I think he did good. He did his job in game five. And he did his job certainly, I believe, in game two. Or was it game one in Houston? He looked good. You can't blame you can't blame the pitching staff for losing that series. And you can't blame the bullpen. Yankees had their opportunities. Yankees had their opportunities, they just didn't capitalize. And postseason is just so much more magnified because of where you are. You're going up against the teams at best seven times. At best four times. Four out of seven. Never know. And it's tough. But as far as the pitching goes for next year, you have Paxton, you have Severino. You might have Hap for next year coming and being that fifth starter. Tanaka. 
You might have De- Devly Garcia, Devi Garcia coming in. This phenom might be the fifth starter. Young guy with gas can throw hard and pound the strike zone. And then, man, uh, I'm trying to think like who who else who else is out there? You have Paxton, you have Sevy, you have Tanaka. Hap. Garcia, I got to look this up. I'm having a brain fart. And you have the opener coming in. You might have a green come in. You might have a, you might use Severino as an opener again next year. But I think this stuff is just all experimental. You don't fix what's not broken. And that's what baseball, I think, is is in right now at this point in time. Garrett Cole, I don't think Garrett Cole's going to come here. I'll be shocked if he does. I get that he was he was a Yankee fan growing up. I get everything like that. But if you're looking at it from that perspective, folks, Yankee free agent pitchers do not fare well at Yankee Stadium. With the exception of Amasahiro Tanaka. They just don't. You have to be in the right situation and in the right spot. Houston's the right spot. With everything that's gone on. Justin Verlander has gone out there and he's basically become a better pitcher. It was that game five. After he gave up the four runs, he looked phenomenal. The guy looked absolutely phenomenal after the first inning. Gary Cole, same thing. Found his groove, got into it. Zach Ranky, eh. But he found his he found his way. It's not about everybody loves to talk about pitching. Pitching, pitching, pitching. How about mental makeup of a person? Gary Cole is a stud. Justin Verlander, a stud. Why do you think he's going out with Kate Upton? Mentally, the guy thinks he's a stud. And he definitely thinks that way. But Zach Greinke, he won the Cy Young Award. Made it to the World Series with the Dodgers. And he's been a great pitcher his whole career. There's that mental makeup about people. It's either you have it or you don't. Pressure can make you into... Pressure makes diamonds. Only the very few are diamond-like. And that three-headed monster over in Houston, they have that. Altuve, been put in with a lot of pressure. Had it. Certain players have that. Yankees, I don't know. Judge has it. Sanchez, game in and game out, has it. I don't care about... You're going behind the catcher. You're you're a catcher catching a ball or a tough pitch going in there. Kurt Suzuki is a stud for the Nationals. 
after what he did last night. Stud. Reason why he's in the league for so long. Sanchez, same thing. Guy has the arm. Guy has the ability at the plate to go out there and crush the ball whenever he wants to. It's about getting a chance and getting an opportunity. Altuve got his chance in 2012. He hasn't let go since. Correa, number one overall pick. Same thing. Ryan Zimmerman, number one overall pick. Or first overall draft selection for the Nationals back in 2005 when they moved from Montreal. And he's been with them ever since. But to get back to the Yankees here for one minute, the rotation is kind of sort of somewhat set. I can't, like I said before, I can't see Garrett Cole going out there and and being that guy. I think he goes over to the Angels. I think Joe Madden makes sense. The Angels are going to spend money, and they're going to want their guy. And they're going to want an ace, and they're going to want to win. And you're not going to waste Mike Trout's best years. You're not. You're not. And the bullpen. If Roldis Chapman decides to leave, there's a vacancy open. Maybe you put Severino in as the closer. Maybe you put a guy like Zach Britton in the closer spot. I mean, all of these things can be possible. Mariano Rivera was a starting pitcher. People forget that. People forget that the guy was a starter. After three innings, he wound up getting rocked in 95. And then he became the setup man on that 96 team for John Wetland. And he went out there and he pitched his heart out. Earned the closer's role, no problem. Won four World Series. The man won four World Series. Actually, five. What am I saying? He won five. I forget about 2009. He won five World Series out of seven times being in the World Series. For a closer, that's pretty amazing. But he was a starter, Mariano Rivera, at one point in time. He won five. Five World Series. And he became one of the more old, he became one of the all time greats. You can tinker at anything you want. Give somebody a shot. Don't burn them out. It's all about having that mental makeup. Rivera had that. Chapman, after Saturday, you saw that smile on his face. And the smile was, you beat me on my first pitch. Kind of, sort of, somewhat crazy. You beat me, not on my first pitch, but on my second pitch, and I hung it. Like, damn, that's the way how the series has to end? Of course. You hung it. You knew it. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't know what's going to happen, though, this offseason, to be quite honest with you. But I do know this. Yankees are still going to have a rather relatively 
complete team around them. Everybody wants to say, oh, this pitching staff is weak. The pitching staff basically gave them the opportunity to win games in the postseason. How do you go out there and give up three? How do you go out there and leave guys on, on base? I think they'll be fine. I wouldn't be shocked or mad if they didn't make a move on their pitching staff. If they didn't go out there and get Garrett Cole, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't be mad. That's just me. But 2020 is going to be a really, really interesting year for the Yankees. And I know we didn't touch on the Nationals and the and the and the Astros, but you know, last night's game was just absolutely unbelievable. And Astros go up early on a Yuri Gurriel uh, two out double, two nothing. Nationals come back home run by. By uh, Ryan Zimmerman and by Juan Soto ties the game up at two. They go out there. Juan Soto again hits a double off the wall. You know Adam Eaton hits a hits a single, and they made Garrett Cole work. They made him work. So the bullpen almost blew it. But hey, if you have guys going out there and pitching hard and basically attacking the strike zone, and that's another thing too that I don't think I got to the Astros with the Yankees. Everybody's talking about runners in scoring position with the Yankees. Folks, when you're attacking the pit, when you're attacking the strike zone on the first pitch, what do you want these guys to do? Paul's coming in with four tenths of a second. I get they getting paid millions. And we put these guys on a pedestal. But when you have a ball coming at you, 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, and it dives and it juts out at the last second, that's nasty. Give these guys their due. Give the Houston pitching staff their due. For the Yankees, hey, they swung and missed at some at a couple of questionable pitches. But what do you want them to do when the ball's coming at you? And it looks like it's starting in the strike zone. Give credit to where credit is due. Don't rip on the Yankee hitter for swinging at something that started in the strike zone and went out. My God. I think sometimes we lose sight on that on Twitter and on Instagram and uh, wherever we go on social media and we start ripping players. If you were in their shoes, you'd be swinging and missing at that. I'll be the first to admit I would be. Talk about the umpires all you want to, but, you know, the Yankees had their opportunities to win a couple of these games. The bottom line is they flat out blew it. But you got to give credit to where credit is due, and Houston wound up winning it all in the ALCS. They were the better team. You know, but my take on this World Series, though, I think the Nationals have that 1969 New York Mets feel, 2003 Florida Marlins feel to it. As far as people don't give them the credit that, they, that they're supposed to get, and they have an underrated team. The Nationals went out there. Remember, they played up against the Dodgers 
in five games. And they took care of the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in game five. The Nationals wound up going out there and playing the Cardinals, sweeping them. And they were hot. It just goes to show you, with the wild card in place, that sometimes the best team usually doesn't win it. It's the team that gets hot at the right time. And the Washington Nationals got hot at the right time. They beat up on a Brewers team in the wild card game that got hot at the right time without Christian Yelich. Juan Soto came through in the ninth, in the eighth inning for them in Washington in that wild card playing game. And that propelled them. Nationals were five outs away from losing to the Dodgers. Gave up two home runs, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw gave up two home runs to Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. Cardinals just got literally, I I don't know what more else to say. They got dominated. They got dominated. And they were right there. Nationals took some time off. They got to study some film on on the Astros a little bit. And it showed last night. It really did. I think the series goes six, if not five. Let's see what happens tonight. And on that note, for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, and I meant to say for the uh for the uh for the Nationals to win in five or six. I think they had that feel, like I said, of having the sixty nine Mets and the O three Marlins. But anyway, on that note, for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, actually I have one more shout out. Uh I just want to give a uh my quick condolences to Dexter Henry on losing his uh, his mother from the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Uh, you know, it, that's a tough way. Nobody ever wants to see somebody uh, pass away no matter what uh, part of life you're, you're in. So my condolences go out to the Henry family. Uh, Dex, if you're listening to this, very sorry uh, for your loss. And I hope to see you soon, brother. You know, definitely hope to see you soon. On that note, for everybody here at Gotham, for Mike Ortiz, our wonderful producer, I'm your host, Will Trucci, logging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Peace out.